You're listening to the Creekside Church Sunday morning message. Stay tuned for a sermon from Pastor George. Uh, super pumped that you're with us today. Uh, I want to say hi to some people online. I didn't get a chance to chat with them during worship because I was so, so enthralled in worshiping and my app just kicked me out. So uh, can we let those know who are with us online that we love them by making some noise this morning? Uh, I encourage you to get on the app. Get on the app and chit-chat with those who are watching with us online, uh, like Jaybird1. More code names. You know I love those code names. Uh, Wiley, uh, what's up? We're going for a Raiders win, number two today. Or, or we're just kind of saying, hey, it's cool. We were in first place for like one week. Okay. <laughs> Hannah, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's see, who else? Josh from Florida. Uh, let's see, Angie. And I, I, you don't normally yell Pat P, but Pat P is here with us today. So, ooh, Margarita. Is that your uh, real name or is that a code name? But I want to welcome you. And who else we got? Reese Hanskins watching from uh, somewhere in Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, Kent and Cheryl. They're watching us from Lake Tahoe. Yes. That's so cool. Kind of jealous. And um, let's see, who else? Josh W. Good morning. Yeah. (laughs) And my wife is online. Okay. Well, that, oh, Jack and Karen Yarnell, you're watching us online. And, come on, one more, one more, one more. See, you, you don't, we can't see you unless you comment or you put in a name uh, and register. So there's like 58 plus of you watching right now, uh, but we only know who 10 of you are. So comment, say something, say hi, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, with that said, uh, here's what I want to do. If you, if you have something to take a note on, there's an individual who's been coming to our church since I've been here. He went through our 40 days of purpose, and normally I wouldn't highlight somebody that I'm asking you to pray for, uh, but this guy was given a pretty drastic diagnosis, and uh, he also has a son who graduates next June, and from what the reports have said, he may not be with us. And he's only like 49 or 50 years old. So his name is Anthony Metcalf. You may have been in his small group um, during 40 Days of Purpose uh, or may have met him. He usually sits over here. uh, But be praying for him. Be praying. You know, pray at the most that God heals him completely. But at the very least, pray that God allows him to be around for his son's graduation. Can we do that as a church? He is part of our church. And this is one of the ways that we love our church, is we pray for those who are in our church. So uh, that's what I'm talking about today, meeting the needs of people. Meeting the needs of people in our church as a way of loving our church as God intends us to love our church. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you open our ears and stretch our hearts and allow, you know, take your rightful place in our life as Lord of our lives. 
We thank you for all of your provision and your blessing. And we thank you that, um, that you sent your son to die on the cross to give us life, to pay the price for our sin. This is your time, Father. And we want to glorify you with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Church said? That's an air high five. Uh, trunks. How many of you guys have a... I'm not talking about trunks on your car. I'm not talking about the frunks for those who drive a Tesla. <laughs> if you drive a Tesla, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those oversized boxes that we have in our house that we put stuff in. And it's not just stuff. They're made to hold things that we value, that we consider precious. And by the end of our time together, I hope that this one holds, this trunk right in front of me, holds a bunch of love for other people in our church. Walk with me for a second. How many of you guys have like a hope chest or a trunk? Yeah, a number of us do. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. How many of you have ever had a, a hope chest growing up? where you put something meaningful in it? How many of you guys have ever, or are you currently, uh, filling a trunk or a hope chest for your kids or your grandkids? I mean, there's some things that I've, I've been saving for my daughter, and I can attest that the rafters in my garage are full of um, uh, bins with stuff my wife didn't want to get rid of in hopes that my daughter will need it one day. We do that. I remember growing up in, in my grandma's garage, she had a lot of stuff in her garage. And she had this trunk, probably, I don't know, three feet by two feet high. And I'm thinking, all oh, right, as a kid, I'm going to find some treasure in here, right? Some knickknacks, some old baseball cards, something that I'm going to find in my, in my grandmother's uh, chest. So I get out there one day, and I start clearing things off it. And I thought it was full of generational treasure. I thought I was going to hit the jackpot, and I opened my grandmother's trunk in her garage, and it was full of knitting patterns. <laughs> Not just knitting patterns, but I don't know if you're old enough to remember a place called Stretch and Sew. She had, I guess there was a, 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 an era or a generation where they made a lot of their own clothes. Polyester stretchy pants. Shirts for the grandkids. I still have some of my shirts that my grandmother made me. That, you know, bowling is my bag or <laughs> tennis is my racket. It was filled with knitting patterns. It wasn't filled with generational treasure. Maybe you didn't have an actual hope chest, but you've had something meaningful or a value that you wanted to pass on to your kids or your grandkids. What are these? These are treasures that we hang on to. We hang on to these treasures. We do it because we, you know, we, we don't do it because we're hoarders. I mean, I, I hope that's not the case. But we do it because we want to leave something of significance to those subsequent generations that are coming up behind us. Something of value. Something that speaks of our love to them. Or for them. 
And, and let's be honest, it's possible. Things we put in our, our, our hope chest or our treasure chest or our, our, our trunk, you know, it's possible that those items might skyrocket in value. You know, that, that idea or thought doesn't escape us. You know, maybe, how many of you guys ever watched an antique road show on TV, PBS? Coffee mug going for $10,000 because it was made by the hands of Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. No, I said DiCaprio on purpose. I, I have to be relational <laughs> to all demographics. Maybe it's a you know maybe it's your great grandmother your great great grandmother's or as we called our great grandmother granny maybe it's her coin purse that she's had since she was a kid and there's a story attached to that that change purse of of how she you know moved out west with her seven kids to start a new life all by herself I don't know what it is for you but regardless of the reason Whatever we're saving in, in, in our chest, in our hope chest, in our trunk, in our, whatever it is that we're saving, we're saving it because it holds hope, it holds promise, it holds memories. And it also holds value for the future. And to put it in a box for a time... Man, that, that's hard. I'm not talking like all the stuff we own that we don't have room for in our house that we pay money every month for a storage unit that we never see, that we never see, and it's like Christmas every time we go and visit the storage unit. Oh, I didn't know I had one of those. But you pay thousands of dollars to keep it. I'm not talking about that kind of value. I'm talking about something of a value that we put in a box and, and it ultimately, and if we're being real, it is a sacrifice to put it in that box for the future. You can't use it right now because you want it to be available for someone else to have and to hold in the future. It's the exact concept we see played out by the early church in one very serious way that we get to love our church. Get to. Not have to. But what church? Get to. Get to. It says in Acts 4.32 and uh, 35, it says this. All the believers were united. Say united. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So th what did they do? Why did we say that like you're about to go to a root canal? <laughs> they shared everything they had. <laughs> the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses basically those who had gave to those who didn't those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to do what <laughs> it's going to be an amazing day 
Whenever we go, hey, we're going to receive offering or we're going to, you know, help someone out in need, when we start to cheer and get excited rather than read it like a dirge. <laughs> Give to those in need. Give to those in need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's with me. Because here's what I know. If you're a human, when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to our possessions, the first, the first church, or when it comes to possessions, not our possessions, when it comes to possessions, the first church knew how to help one another. The first church knew how to sacrifice, how to give. They really knew not just how to help one another, they, they knew how to really love one another. You know, it, it begs the question, I really, think about this, how long did it take before you decided you needed to hang on to all your stuff? How, how long did it take before someone decided, you know what, I really need to hang on to all of my stuff? And I wonder if, and, and you know, you know that when you start holding tightly to your bank account, I wonder if sometimes this is what God sounds like when we start talking about our money and our stuff. I mean, have you ever been to the beach and you see someone like, and I, I, I'm not a fan of this person, feeding seagulls? It's usually parents letting their kids feed the seagulls. But have you ever seen someone feeding seagulls? Do you realize how vicious and loud seagulls get when, when they're attracted to food? Uh, put it another way. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? Through, throughout, yeah, you know, throughout, I mean, Finding Nemo, there's a couple of scenes that perfectly capture this entire mindset when there's an entire flock of seagulls, not the band, calling out on top of one another what are they what are they shouting out mine 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 let's do that together for fun come on mine 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 i wonder sometimes if that if that's exactly what we sound like to god when we start talking about money and stuff mine 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 See, if we intend to love our church the way God wants us to love our church, if we intentionally love our church, that means loving each other. Look around. Those are the each others we're supposed to be loving. And one of the ways we do this is by intentionally meeting the needs of others in our church. In our church. And I want to give us three powerful applications that I believe that it will help us recognize that sacrifice and meeting the needs of others truly are extra extravagant, abundant expressions of love. Love for His church and love for other people. You with me? So what's one of the first things we need to do? to better understand this. One, I believe that you and I, we need to loosen our grip. We need to loosen our grip. 
Note in Acts where it says this, and they felt that what they owned was what? Was not their own. Yes! <laughs> the first church had a loose grip. Now, I can spend a series on loosening our grip. You know, let me, here's a freebie. Get this, you want more from God, uh, you're not going to receive really well from God if your fists are gripping tightly what you think you own. You have to loosen your grip to receive what God has in store for you. The first church had a a loose grip on their stuff. And in case you're quick to say, well, they didn't have that much PG, it's easy. It's easy for them to have a looser grip. Well, I don't know if you know Acts chapter 4, 5, and 6. But in the beginning of chapter 5, there are a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They were following Barnabas' example. And Barnabas, you know, son of encouragement, that's what his name means. But, you know, they also sold their property. But what did they do? They secretly withheld some of the funds. They withheld a portion of the proceeds. And yeah, Ananias, you know, presented his donation. And then Peter replied to him, he says, why is it that, you know, deception has so filled your heart that you've lied. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter pointed out that Ananias was in control of the money. He was trying to control. And could give or keep as he saw fit, but he had withheld a portion of what he was led to give. And Peter stated that Ananias had lied not to men, but he lied to God. Because of his actions, Ananias died right there on the spot. And he was carried out. And everyone who heard about this incident feared the Lord at that moment. Three hours later, after Ananias' death, his wife arrived unaware of what had happened. And Peter asked her the price of the land and she, uh, that she and Ananias had sold. And what did she do? She stated the same untruthful price as her husband did. Ananias had, you know, the price that Ananias has already given, and then she too fell dead. The point is, I want us to remember that that couple, Ananias and Sapphira, struck, they were struck dead because they lied. They lied about how loose their grip was. I'm a generous person. I'm giving it all. And friends, this is simply not the place to make excuses for being a seagull. Mine, 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 mine. Because the truth is, what we own is really only on loan. It, it's all a his anyway. Well, I, go, I get up and I go to work and I, I put in the time and the effort and the energy to make this money and the skill. You know, I acquired the skill and I did this. But God gave you that ability to do all of that. Amen. He's the one that gives you breath. 
to get up in the morning and to stand upright. Because of this truth, it's not ours. It never was. It is God's. And guess what? You and I are just the bank. We're just the bank. We're just stewards of it. He invests with us, and he hopes to see a return on his investment. I said at the beginning of the series, we're going to talk about giving, but not in the way you thought. And his measurement for you know, that good return isn't how much stuff you and I accumulate. It's not about how much money is in your retirement. It's not about how big of a car you drive or how big of a house you have. The measurement of a good return is how we love others with what He's given us. Release your grip. It's not yours. And I feel you. Especially if you're here for the first time. Oh, there he goes. Pastor's talking about money. This is a difficult conversation to have. This is a hard sermon for, for me to hear. Let alone speak. And I know it probably is for you as well. But I want you to trust me as we go through this. This is not a simple message of This is not a simple message of give to the church, give to Creekside. It's not that at all. This is not the standard giving or tithing message that you've probably been used to or heard in the past. This is not the standard money message that people tend to grumble about. Every time I go to church, they ask for money. I could tell you for a fact that Creekside Church is not a money-asking church. There, are eight, there is a time throughout the year where we create an opportunity to give in response to God's goodness and faithfulness. But we don't go, hey, we got this project or we got that project. That's not at all what this passage is teaching. It's, it's not at all what I'm even preaching. I mean, it would be way easier to say, give, give it all to the church, give it all to Creekside, and we'll be your clearinghouse. So we'll make sure it gets out there. And of course, we're going to keep some for administrative costs, staffing, you know, and whatever. But the truth is, the first church didn't demonstrate their love by giving to cor- a corporate entity called the church. They demonstrated their love by sharing everything they had with who? One another one another by giving to the you know the personal individual entity of the church the people the people their purpose was people and though the apostles were helping with distribution they weren't maintaining lawns and a parking lot and a building they weren't purchasing curriculum or keeping the electricity on now let me be clear let me be absolutely clear there isn't a thing wrong in this world with that there's not a thing wrong in this world by having a nice property nice lawns and 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 a a great building and air conditioning and heat there's not a thing wrong with that matter of fact i was just telling our landscape company i met with last week and you know they may or may not have been doing an adequate job based on the contract that we signed so i met with them and they showed up and knocked it out of the park 
and started doing some things they haven't been doing. And I said, hey, I'm not coming at you. I'm just going to give you a reason why this is important to me. Because most people will determine how well we take care of the people within our church by how well we take care of what they see outside of these walls. Those are important. I'm not saying they're not. I think it becomes a fault. I think it becomes a problem when we fail to meet the needs of people within our church because of our lawns, because of our curriculum, because of our parking lot. That's where the problem starts. So we need to release our grip. We need to loosen our grip. We also need to tighten our belts. This may hit home for some of us. Get a little too close for comfort. Tightening our belts. What do I mean by that? I mean by making room. Making room in your finances or your budget to help people. That's exactly what the first church was doing. They were helping people. They were making room. It says in verse 34, 35, there were no needy people among them because those who owned houses and land would sell them. And then they would bring the money to the apostles who were the church leadership at the time to give to those in need. Listen, the first church didn't have hope chests. They didn't have trunks that they stuffed a lot of stuff into. They didn't have that. They used what they did have. They weren't saving up for a rainy day. They weren't even hanging on to their personal property. They were liquidating people. Not liquidating people. They were liquidating people. They were getting rid of all that they had so they can demonstrate their love for the church. Now, I'm not proposing that you run home and put your house on the market. You know, sell all that you have or move into a commune together. I wouldn't want you living with me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm simply suggesting that if your lifestyles, mine included, keep us from being generous with people around us, Maybe it's time to tighten our belts just as those in the early church were doing. Maybe I I need a, a less expensive car. Or it's time to drop cable or satellite or two or three of those 15 streaming subscriptions that you pay for every month. Or maybe it's just a need to establish a budget a budget with a help a brother out item line. So you can meet needs whenever the needs arise or present themselves. I don't know what it is for you, but it's like the, the, the mother, the single mother who's riding the bus back and forth to work because she's putting all of her finances into childcare and she can't afford a, a car. Or maybe it's the family whose dad just lost a jo- his job or, you know, and they can't afford groceries for the week. 
Maybe it's the retiree who has to make a decision between what medication, needed medication, that they're going to need, that they can afford. Maybe it's a college student who may have to drop out because the finances have run, ran dry. See, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not just talking about the homeless occupying our street dividers on rush hour. That's not what I'm talking about. We need to help them too as well. But the way we communicate love for our church is by making sure we aren't neglecting the needs of one another within our church. And here's a hard, ta- uh, uh, here's a hard statement to say. And it may be a hard one to apply. The only way we can truly do that is if we know what those needs are. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's your responsibility to run around and tell everybody. I mean, I wouldn't even recommend running around telling everybody how crappy your life is. I'm not saying it's your responsibility to tell us what those needs are. I'm saying it's our responsibility to know one another in such a way, deeply enough, that we can recognize needs without it being asked to be met. And I know it happens. Listen, friends, we need to look well past the fences that each of us have built up. And we talked about that last week. We have to look past the fences that we built up and we, we really need to get to know one another. And when we're finally able to peer past the fence and really know people, really know who they are, look past the fence. We need to be ready to act on what we see. Not make excuses. We need to act. Because we've and we're able to act because we've tightened our belts. We made the adjustment. And once we've loosened our grip and tightened our belts, then we have an opportunity to do what? It's easy. Easy to say, hard to do. Give it all away. Give it all away. Give it away. Once the first church ditched its mine, 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 it's all mine mentality, it said no one ever had a need. It didn't say one person financed every need in the church. I don't know how it happened, but what I do know is that they gave it all away. Needs were always met. So passionately, so fervently met that this passage says in Acts 4, 34 the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God, uh, God's great blessing was upon them all. And there was no needy people among them. And that was the result of that generosity. The result of that generosity. It was a testimony. People took notice. People outside the church saw what, what was happening within the church. People took notice to what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It wasn't like, wow, they're doing some really cool stuff. How do we do that? It was a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. 
People knew the truth of Jesus because the apostles and the first century church were busy giving their money and their possessions and their time to one another. One another. I wonder if some of us latch on to going, well, you know, I'd love to help out people in the church, but I'm fully committed to the homeless encampment down in Martinez because you're afraid to let people know the real you within the church. So you go and, and pacify that area of your life of, I give, but I give to all of these organizations outside the church. Because I either don't really know the people in my church and the needs in my church, or I don't want people to really know me. I'm not accusing ever. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe that's me, maybe that's you. They gave to one another. Jesus' last command he gave the church before he ascended to heaven. Come on, you Bible scholars, you know. He said, love one another. To his disciples. It wasn't a service project. It wasn't a homeless shelter. Those aren't bad. I mean, it, it, those aren't bad. Those are all good. It wasn't a missions program. It was one another. One another. The testimony was present because they were loving one another. Loving one another in full view of the rest of the world. They will know you are my disciples by your Kirk's shirt. No! They will know that you are my disciples by how you love who? One another. One another. This is just an awkward message, isn't it? And frankly, it's an awkward passage. Because I think we spent centuries trying to get beyond these four walls of our church. We spent centuries trying to impact our communities. We spent centuries, you know, to become more than a holy huddle or a spiritual country club. And now it feels like this passage is saying we got all that wrong. But that's not what this passage is saying at all. I think it's, you know, what it's illustrating is simply this. Our passion and eagerness to reach beyond our walls in our passion and eagerness, we, we can never forget that we also have to reach within them. I know, a lot of us, we're passionate about reaching people for Christ outside these walls, and that's good. But you can't do it at the cost of not meeting the needs of people within the walls. We have needs represented in this room right now that at this second that none of us know about. People are dying inside because they're losing hope on how they're going to make it tomorrow. But we don't know that because we really don't know them. You could be sitting next to somebody right now who's one decision away from being homeless or not having the medication they need or not making rent.
Maybe you recognized your situation a few moments ago when I was rattling off some examples about the single mother or the dad who lost a job, highlighting some possible area of needs. Maybe it's another need that you're facing that nobody knows about. But what I do know is that we must love our church. God's put you here, placed you here, rooted you here for a reason. And the reason is you are a contributor to the assignment that God's given this church, not a consumer. This is one of the best church promotional messages I will ever preach. (laughs) We must be loving our church, these people who are our church. We have to love them enough to see their needs, to see one another's needs. And then, like the first church, we must be willing to sacrifice to meet those needs. Sacrifice. You know what? The Bible says even when you come and worship, you bring a sacrifice of praise. Jesus sacrificed his life for you. We understand what sacrifice means. We sacrifice to meet those needs. I'm going to invite the worship team up. So here's what I'd like to do. I'm, I want to do something crazy by the standards of our current culture. I want to do something courageous. Can we do that today? I want to do something that we've never done before. I want to do something crazy. Um, I'm probably not going to sell my house or my car. I might sell my wife's car. I don't know. (laughs) But what I'm going to do, in my wallet, I carry a $50 bill around as emergency money. Cash. It represents what I have in my wallet at this minute. I'm going to put it in this chest of hope. Now, here's my challenge, and this may be crazy for some of us. What if we all did the same thing? Whatever change you have in your pocket, whatever, you know, what if each of us gave whatever we had in our wallets or our purses right at this moment? What, what if we, we did something like that? Maybe it represents our Starbucks run or our lunch after church. Maybe it's just a change we have left over after a recent run to the grocery store. Whatever it is. What if we just poured it out into this chest just like the first church? And what if we ask God to bless this offering we're about to give to use it to communicate love for His church? I'm not talking about, hey, now we're going to receive the offering and this takes the place of your disciplinary tithe. If you're walking with Christ, if you're a member, a covenant member of Creekside Church, this is above and beyond that. This is just whatever you have on you right now. And some of us may, well, I don't have cash. Great, write a check if you believe in those still. And we'll turn it into cash. If, if you don't have a check, we have a QR code you can scan and you can give to the hope chest. Because we're going somewhere with this. We have the QR code. There it is. You can scan that and whatever you give will be turned into cash and placed in this box. 
What if we gave sacrificially today? Said, you know what, babe? We're not going to lunch today because I just dropped my last 50 in that box. And what if we ask God to bless this offering in such a way that it communicates extravagant love for His church, His people, somebody in need, not the building. And then what if, what if, what if what ends up in this box was like Acts 4.35 says, distributed to those who have a need? I know it's a crazy idea, huh? I know some of us, you're irritated with me right now. And all I can say is go to God with it and see what he says. I'm just asking you to simply pray and see if this might be one time where you can part with something of significance. Where you don't go, well, I'm going to decide what I do. I'm going to take the gift of God and determine what I do with it. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm trying to give you a different perspective. Simply pray. And we're going to worship. We're going to sing this song. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider it. And I want you to give as God prompts you to do. Let's sing. I'm this <laughs> Listen. Get kind of emotional seeing what's in this box. Part of this process is it's not just generosity. I mean, this isn't normally how we handle offerings. I'm going to lay, put that out there right now. It's not how we normally handle offerings. And even the first church, I suspect, was, were a little bit more intentional about how they distributed this. But one of the ways that we communicate love to one another is generosity. I think another way we communicate love to one another is through honesty. It's not just about giving to meet a need. It's also about having your needs met. So here's the deal. I'm putting that box right there. If there's anybody in this room that has a need, you are more than welcome to go to that box and take out whatever you need. The only thing I ask is that you write on this card, God met my needs today. God met my needs today. And, and write down how he met your need. Write down a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. How God met your need through his church. How did he meet your need today? Now, it's possible that this box will be empty before you leave today. It's totally possible. Remember, generosity and honesty. What do we do then? 
What I do know is that God wants Creekside Church to be a community who shares our needs as generously as we share our possessions. So what do we do? If you have a need and there's not enough to meet it, write it on your connection card. Write it on your connection card and pray and believe and be confident that God wants to meet your need. Maybe you become vulnerable with your small group. Maybe you share your needs with a trusted friend within the church. Maybe you want someone to pray with you about, you, you know, your, your, your God, for God's intervention on your behalf. We have a, a team of people willing to pray for you on your behalf. Understand me, listen, this exercise is as much about making sure everyone's needs are met as it is about making sure we're willing to share those needs with those who have them or as we have them. And I get, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Loosening our grip and giving, you know, and giving sacrificially. Loving our church is knocking down fences and giving our all. So, Father, as we close our time together, we're reminded of the early church's profound message of sacrificial love and generosity. We thank you for this valuable lesson and the call to loosen our grip and let go of our material possessions to make room in our lives, Father, for helping those who are in need within our church community and to give with love, and to give with sacrifice and compassion. Lord, bless this offering that we just received. That is yours. Father, that is yours to meet the needs of those who have them. I mean, to, to meet the needs of those who need it. Father, use that generosity to communicate the love for your people, not just this building. May our generosity be a testimony to your love and resurrection power, Jesus. Help us to be a community that shares both possessions and we're able to confidently, without insecurity, share our needs, fostering deeper connections, deeper authentic relationships within our church family. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And if you're part of this church, give me a big amen. amen. You guys are loved. If you have a need, go get what you need. Leave a note. Um, and, it, and we're going to keep this out for the remainder of our series. So for the next three weeks, if there's anybody that has needs, as long as, fun, as long as there are funds in there, you can take it. And it'll be out there to give if you feel like you want to give to it as well. We're going to love each other like we're supposed to. And this is just one of the ways we get to do that. Have an amazing week. We're praying for you. Um, get out there and, and love people like Christ loves you. Amen? <laughs>